0: Today's bonus episode of the ButteCast is brought to you by Park Street Liquors. If you're looking for it, Park Street Liquors has it. Stop by and see Tom and the crew today. They can assist with your corporate event or wedding by helping create and plan your wine and spirits menu. They can also point you to the finest whiskeys, regional spirits, or the latest RTDs. Park Street Liquors. Call 406-782-6278 or stop by at 133 West Park Street. Make your story legendary. Now... Let's get this thing started. Welcome to the Butte cast with Bill Foley. It's a podcast about the greatest city in the world Butte, America. Amen. Let's meet the people and characters who make Butte the richest hill on earth. Woo-hoo! Now, here's my dad. America, USA. Several years ago, I got into a bit of a Facebook fight with some people who really believe in ghosts. They took exception to the fact that I pointed and laughed at them for believing something nobody over the age of five should believe. Well, maybe over 13. I'm sure the ghost believers were glued to the Travel Channel over the last two months. That is because the channel shined the Light on Butte's ghost problem with an eight-part series called Ghosts of Devil's Perch. As silly as it is to believe in ghosts, it is even sillier to believe in the people who are supposedly communicating with the spirits and getting them to leave the mining city peacefully. I could go on and on for days about how silly the show was, the paranormal shooting, the teleporting bullet, the ghost scratches, and the automatic writing. Believe me, silly is the nicest word I can use. Others, however, completely bought into the show, seeing it as evidence that things that go bump in the night are actually angry historical Butte figures. Sure, the show was harmless, and it does show off Butte's history and beautiful scenery. I tried to follow the words of Thumper's mom and hold my tongue about the show, but I just couldn't take it anymore. Like it did on Facebook that day, the asshole in me just had to rear its ugly head. So here is my take on the ghost of Devil's Perch. It was incredibly silly, but I couldn't take my eyes off of it. You can read the column yourself at ButteCast.com. Capper Life. Our hometown is not haunted. Jimmy Carr is a great comedian with a funny laugh. He also has a great take on ghosts. It's actually easy to tell if your house is haunted, Carr said in one of his recent specials. It isn't. Grow up. Since I watched the first episode of Ghosts of Devil's Perch on the Travel Channel, I have been reciting Cars Lines to anyone who will listen. I have also been paraphrasing the words of the great Bill Burr from his appearance in Bozeman in the summer of 2013. A ghost can go wherever he wants. He can go to the Super Bowl. He can go to the women's locker room. Does he do that? No. Instead, the idiot stands by the boiler in your basement just so he can give you an ooh when you walk by about every three years. If you are older than 13 and still believe in ghosts, then you are probably not going to like this column, but you are the one who should be reading it. Before you start telling me your ghost stories and why I am wrong when I laugh at you, answer me this. Why do you only hear about ghosts at night? Is there any kind of explanation as to why you never hear from Casper in the daytime? Also, how do you know that the ghost in the closet was not Sully or Randall from Monsters, Inc.? That seems to be just as believable as the soul of a dead person. I cannot remember who said it, but the Ghosts of Devil's Perch is our Tiger King. It was a horrendously silly show, but we could not take our eyes off of it. For other more gullible people out there, the show was a confirmation of what they have always believed. To be fair, the eight-part series did some good things. For one, it showcased the beauty and history of the Mining City. Dylan Native and retired teacher Chris Fisk did an outstanding job helping Dave Schrader, Cindy Kaza, and K.D. Stafford intertwine Mining City history and ghost stories. However, the television series showed me that Dave, Cindy, and KD are, with all due respect, monumentally full of crap. Remember, I said, with all due respect. This is not to say that they are lying. It is possible that a person can be genuine and still be very much full of crap. Maybe Dave experienced some kind of a medical issue when he claimed to have been injured in the paranormal shooting at the Cabbage Patch Cabin. Maybe he thought he really was shot by a ghost bullet. Maybe he really thought he was pushed by the ghost of Michael Hickey when he tripped while walking into the Orphan Girl Mine. Then again, maybe the carnival worker really does believe that the ring toss game he is running is on the level. It is not, but maybe he believes the line of BS he is giving you. When it comes to tracking down ghosts, I would take Dr. Peter Venkman, Dr. Raymond Stance, and Dr. Egan Spengler over Dave, Cindy, and KD any day. Actually, I would go with Fred, Velma, Daphne, and Shaggy before I would believe in Cindy's automatic writing. I'm not saying she is lying, but I would buy some oceanfront property in Arizona before I would believe that the medium is actually channeling the thoughts of ghosts when she puts her sharpie to her yellow legal pad. The ghost box is another thing that would not get out of the Scooby-Doo writer's room. Did you get a look at that thing? It looked like an old boombox from the 1980s. As silly as the ghost box appears to be, it is the way that they used it that makes it hard to believe. Supposedly, Dave, Cindy, and KD have been hunting ghosts for quite some time while using such cutting-edge technology from the Reagan years, so they likely saw some crazy things. Then why were they shocked to profanity every time they heard some static that they say was a word? That leads me back to my full-of-crap theory, and it shows that Sheriff Ed Lester was not the worst actor in the series. While Ghost of Devil's Perch was must-see television for everyone from Butte, it did not enhance the image of anyone who appeared on the show. It likely had people from all over the country laughing at Butte and Dylan native Chris Fisk. It did not make Sheriff or Mayor Gallagher, who was actually the chief executive of Butte Silver Bowl, look particularly good. It did not make the adults who said they saw ghosts look good either. It was fun to see some of Butte's history, and it made me want to read Jake Sorich's book about the cabbage patch. Between Sorich and Dylan native Chris Fisk, the show told lots of stories about Butte. It was fun to learn about the axe man of the Cabbage Patch and the men who were hanged in the courtyard behind the courthouse. It was also great that people were introduced to the story of Willie Corrett, a 10-year-old boy who died while playing baseball in Butte in 1891. According to newspaper reports, Caret made a spectacular diving catch of a line drive down the third baseline and disappeared with the ball tight in his mitt. He fell 110 feet into an open mine shaft and died. In a ratchet column in 2004, Matt Vinson called Willie Buttes, say, hey, kid. As good as it was to hear Willie mentioned, it was not fair to portray him as a ghost in the Hennessy Mansion. For 131 years, Caret's family, and he still has family in Butte, was comforted by the thought that the young boy was resting in peace. This show made it look like the boy was still suffering in the afterlife. While the other ghost stories were fun and harmless, I saw the painting of Corette as the friendly ghost looking over the players for the Mining City Tommyknockers as an insult. We have all heard things go bump in the night. We have all felt the cold spots, and we have all seen lights flicker. I have seen things in my house that I cannot explain. But why do we jump to the conclusion that it is a ghost if we cannot explain it? Isn't there just as good a chance that it is a goblin or a vampire? Or Frankenstein? Oh yeah, you're right. That would be silly. And why do we assume that it is the ghost of a human terrorizing our city? It is just as likely that the ghost of Dino the dinosaur is telling us to get off his prehistoric turf as it is Michael Hickey whining about not getting recognition for finding the anaconda mine. Oh, I almost forgot. The bullet that was teleported to Dave and KD in the courthouse showed that it was former humans doing the haunting. Dinosaurs live with strict gun control laws. That is why they went extinct. There is no way the cast or crew of the show could have planted the bullet next to the gallows that they planted in the basement of the courthouse. Yes, a very reliable source at the courthouse says that the old hanging gallows are not normally just lying around in the basement. We take better care of our history. That makes me think that they just might have also faked the paranormal shooting and the front door of the headache house opening on its own. In the final scene of the final episode, Sheriff Lester said the number of calls to police reporting ghost sightings completely disappeared after Dave, Cindy, and Katie did their thing. But just what was their thing? Commissioning a third grader to paint a portrait of Hickey to hang in the courthouse and telling the ghost to leave is what did the trick? Everyone knows that you have to cross the streams to get rid of a monster ghost like that. Either that or you de the disgruntled owner of the old amusement park. Just like those are not really ghosts in Scooby Doo, those are not really ghosts in The Mining City. If you are over the age of 13 and the series Ghost of Devil Perch and Dylan native Chris Fisk made you think they are, then you should really consider the words of Jimmy Carr and grow up. You should also check out some of the oceanfront property I have for sale.